When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Blue wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. What's going on, guys? This is a Chicago Bulls crossover podcast on the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell with Cash Considerations. Jason Pat also here from Cash Considerations. And we got Mark from Bulls HQ all the way from Australia staying up late to join us for a big season preview today. Uh, Mark, how you doing? I'm good, fellas. Thanks for having me. I, this is going to be fun. I enjoy these crossover episodes, more of an, an official Blue Wire crossover episode, but it makes sense to us doing this in the in the run-up to regular season here, only a couple days away. Yeah, so it's 8 a.m. for Jason and I in Chicago, and it's midnight for Mark in Australia, so we're coming at you from all over the world, but uh, it's fitting, I think, because... We actually have a fun team to talk about that's worth getting up early for and worth staying up late for this year with the Bulls coming off a really encouraging preseason. I tweeted yesterday that the last preseason win against the Hawks was the best I've felt about the Bulls since D. Rose hit the game winner against the Cavs in the second round of the playoffs. I think that put him up 2-1 to one, uh, against Cleveland. Was that the 2015 playoffs, I think? Yep. so. Uh, it's been a while since the vibes have been this good around the Bulls, and uh, let's just do a temperature check, I guess, to start this off. Like, where are you guys at with the team right now? Where are your expectations for the season? Mark, we'll start with you. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty positive. I mean, I was thinking about this today, actually, for some strange reason. I was walking my dogs, and I was thinking about the Chicago Bulls, as I often do, but... I was actually thinking this has been probably a preseason or even an off-season where there was just no drama. There was no nonsense or wasting energy on just any off-court nonsense. I mean, last season, uh, we, we had the issues with uh, the whole Jabari Parker signing, which I obviously took offense to. But even before that, we had um, the Nikola Mirotic, Bobby Porter stuff. We had all the injuries last off-season. We've basically escaped all of that noise, which... That in itself helps relieve some of that that nonsense that you have sort of playing in your mind. So the fact that that's been erased and the team now is in its third year of the rebuild it, it, and the players themselves are clearly showing signs of progressing and there's actually some veterans in the room, it, it kind of feels like they're heading in the right direction for a change. So I think I'm largely positive and that's surprising, I guess, for, well, that may be surprising for some people to hear me say that, but I don't know how you could not be positive at this point. Yeah, I mean, I feel like us three especially, we've been more on the pessimistic, uh, like, whatever, negative, you want to call us negative Nancys, whatever, all that Realistic. Shit. Yeah, Realistic. Real, I like to call, yeah, I like to say realistic. Like, we, we don't want to be negative just to be negative. Like, that's, I mean, yeah, like, making jokes, being snarky, like, no matter what, great. But, like, we've obviously been very negative and very critical of this team and this franchise the last couple of years because they've absolutely deserved it. But this year, I mean, I feel like all of us, I mean, just in our recent pods, just watching them in preseason, there is legitimate reason to have some excitement. Like I said, I'm still not sure if I'm going to totally get on, like, the playoff train just yet. But I think I've at least, I think watching them this preseason, I think I've raised my win total. Like, going into the preseason, I was probably, like, 35 to 37 wins. I'm now leaning up to maybe, like, 39 to 40, which puts you right on the edge of that playoff 
right, right at the edge of that playoff picture. Maybe they do even better than that. Like, I mean, I could see it. I mean, the way the way Zach Levine looked in preseason, I know it's only preseason, but I mean, he just looks like he's so comfortable out there, just stroking buckets, getting buckets from everywhere. Uh, I mean, just the way they're playing. We'll talk obviously talk about more a lot about this. Just the the pace, the ball movement, the defense showed some nice things with the with the second unit the other night against the Hawks with Chris Dunn actually doing some good stuff and Kobe White going off. Like it was just a fun preseason game. I mean, they were like they were clowning. I know it was the Hawks like bums, but like that whatever third fourth quarter you had like Luke Cornett and Ryan Archidiagono and Kobe clowning on the Hawks in preseason. Like that was a ton of fun. So like. This team should be hopefully a lot of fun. I'm going to do a major knock on wood because I last season, going into last season, like I was a little hyped for the season, not like now, but then like Lowry got hurt right away and it just kind of went downhill and we, we all know it was a disaster. So I'm major knock on wood right now that this is going to be a fun season and that they should be a competitive team and maybe they can make the playoffs. All right, there's a lot of different ways we can take this conversation, but I actually want to start with the coaching because to me that's one of the most interesting subplots heading into the season. The Bulls made a lot of uh, player moves with their free agent signings, with the trade of Otto uh, early in this calendar year, late last season, uh, that have really been outside of the box for the Bulls. Typically, they target empty calorie scores. You could go from Pau Gasol to Dwayne Wade, uh, Jabari Parker, of course, being the ultimate example. And, you know, overnight, the Bulls really switched their philosophy with free agents. But the one guy who still has, uh, you know, the team at his fingertips is Jim Boylan. Now, the Bulls did overhaul his coaching staff. They brought in Chris Fleming from the Brooklyn Nets. They brought in Roy Rogers from the Houston Rockets. I want to know where you guys stand right now with Boylan. We'll start with Mark, but my two-second take on it is I cannot believe the transformation this guy has made from one year to the next. I think that, you know, while he's always we he's always sort of appeared to be like this uh, pedal to the metal, like high school coach, really demanding. In reality, I think the guy obviously has a huge heart. He cares a lot about his players. And now he's talking like an actual smart basketball guy. The way he responded to Joe Colley's totally ridiculous attacks on Zach Levine's, uh, you know, mid-range jumper pseudo-controversy. I thought that Boylan gave a great response to that, saying that they don't want to take uh, you know, mid-range twos early in the shot clock, but there is a place for him late in the shot clock. I think you look at the shot profile of the team, clearly like taking shots on the from the right spots on the floor has been a point of emphasis for the Bulls this year. And, uh, you know, this has been a total overhaul of how the Bulls were coached last year. So I think on cash considerations last season, I said that I would challenge Jim Boylan to a push-up contest for his job. I now no longer want to do that because Jim Boylan's clearly much smarter and much stronger than I am. Uh, and I really like the way Boylan's coaching the Bulls this year. I have some certifiable good Boylan vibes heading into this season. Mark, how are you feeling about the coaching? Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one because uh, like you, maybe I wasn't as strong. I, de- I definitely didn't challenge Jim Boylan to any sort of rigorous <laughs> workout or anything like that. But um, I mean, I'm, I'm the kind of fan that doesn't have blind faith. I, I, I like to see production and obviously last season it was a complete mess from the get-go. There was obviously clear reasons for us to to have some ire thrown towards the way of, of Jim Boylan and I think that was more than fair and just the way that the team played as well. Ignore the Boylanisms and all that sort of stuff. Just the way the team was playing was just a complete joke. I still maintain they didn't have to play that way in December and January. They had to slow it down to that ridiculous pace. I thought that I'll always hold that against him, I guess is my point. But I'm prepared to move my opinion as so long as the variables change. And again, I mean, preseason is five games. The variables aren't, oh, sorry, the sample size is very small. So. I don't want to go off the deep end here and giving him too much praise, but even on Bulls HQ, I have reluctantly been giving him some praise because they have the Bulls have finally been doing what I have been asking them to do, which is playing with pace, getting out there and moving the ball quickly, making quick decisions, flinging the ball around the perimeter and getting up three-point attempts. I mean, they average almost 43s in preseason, which puts them basically top five in preseason. So that's not something... Well, I mean, it was something I was hopeful of, but it wasn't something I was expecting. It was, it, to me, it sounded like it was all talk. I was waiting to see it actually happen. And credit to Boylan, credit to the Bulls. Uh, they've been doing what they've what Boylan's been, uh, been preaching. I don't know how much of this is on Boylan versus how much is on Chris Fleming. Um, I'm assuming a good chunk of this is on Fleming based on the, the huge shifts that we've seen on the offensive end. Obviously, uh, it, it certainly helps having the, the personnel that he has on board now as well, but... 
yeah, I mean, he, do, he certainly deserves credit. I'm more than happy to revise my previous Boylan takes, assuming this carries on into the regular season. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned like the 43-pointers basically per game in the preseason. Yeah, they were 39.4. They didn't even shoot that well, only 32.5%. That's not all like whatever. And there's obviously with preseason wackiness. But like one of the, like watching the Hawks game especially was good because they really struggled early. Like Lowry was, had a really ugly shooting game. And just the team in general, they, they were really struggling to make threes. But they were generating good looks. It's not like they were just chucking up threes. Like there's a difference between like just running down and just like firing up awful shots. Like, I feel like they've, in general, been creating good looks through their pace, through their ball movement, and even when they've been missing, it's not like they've gone away from it. They've kept, they keep shooting them. And I know a lot of people like don't like this era where, oh, everyone, all you do is shoot threes, blah 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 blah. But I mean, the math doesn't lie. Three is more than two. The goal is to create the best shots and the best like shot quality that you can. And I feel like the Bulls have generally done that. They're not, they're not trying to bang it into the post because the, like the few times we've done that, we've seen Wendell Carter Jr. like throw the ball off the backboard and it's been really ugly so they've been moving the ball around they've been getting these open looks and they've really just kept to it and so i mean there's i know it again only preseason like you said mark you don't want to like go off the deep end and like with stuff like this but i feel like i mean there's what we've seen like i feel like they're going to be playing like this all season they clearly have the mandate to be pushing the pace with the multi-ball handler system and all that and getting up these three pointers they have the personnel to do it um, when we talk about Zach Levine and the whole mid-range hubbub, like those quotes were definitely just taken, just completely. I mean, you look at his shot like selection himself in the preseason. He shot like 59% overall. He, uh, I think, he took like 24, 25 threes, and that was like almost 50% of his shots. He's been taking the right shots. Like he can say, "Oh, I like mid-range shots." Sure, I'm sure you do. Like he'll take those shots. The way he's been playing on the floor has been showing that he understands the shots he needs to take. So like, hopefully that keeps going. So, yeah, I mean, overall, like, yeah, the Boylanisms are still goofy, but if the Bulls are actually good and fun, like, the Boylanisms will be, will be way more endearing and not, like, ro- eye-rolling and cringe-inducing and stuff like that. Like, obviously, some of the stuff he says is just totally out there and goofy, but, yeah, I mean, for right now, like, definitely starting the turn a bit on Boylan. We 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 talked about this last week as well. We still need to see what he does, what he does in games when the games really matter in close games. Like, how does he do with rotations how does he do with timeout management and clock management at the end of games and drawing up plays and stuff like that when you really like need to bucket all that kind of stuff we still need to see but in terms of just overall big picture stuff with the way the team is playing you have to like what we've seen so far i'm feeling really really good about boylan i can't believe i'm saying that but you know when you see the team shot profile when you hear the way boylan speaks in the media uh it's hard to help help those feelings, and I think that Fleming certainly deserves a lot of credit for the offense. Rodgers, I believe, was brought in to help the big men, and Wendell Carter had a really inspired game against Atlanta in the preseason finale. He was all over the court, especially defensively. The Bulls' defense is what struck me uh, about that game as much as anything else. And then you look at the box score, and the Bulls shot 46 threes in the preseason finale against the Hawks. The Hawks took 30. I would venture to guess if you take 16 more threes, just take 16 more threes in your opponent, you're going to win the vast majority of those games. So, you know, credit to Boylan, credit to the front office for bringing in Chris Fleming and, uh, you know, for believing in Boylan when the early returns were so disastrous. Uh, it, it's a strange world we're living in here, guys, but let's shift the conversation a little bit. I feel like Zach Levine's the next big talking point. To me, the the whole multi-ball handler system thing, that's always been an indictment on Zach. That's basically saying, Zach, you're not going to play like James Harden. Like, we're going to have multiple guys initiating the offense. Even if you average 24 a game, this whole thing isn't going to run through you. The reality is that Levine's going to have the ball in his hands the majority of the season. He's going to be one making the high-level decisions. He's going to be the one, certainly, with you know with the game on the line, he's going to be expected to score and to carry the offense. He has looked unbelievable in the preseason. His three-point stroke is as pure as ever. He's so quick coming out of his moves, first step, lightning fast. Uh, and he's still super athletic, even after the ACL tear a couple of years ago. So uh, what are your expectations for Levine this year, guys? Like, if he's an all-star, does that really, you know, does it matter so much as just, like, raising his game in other places? And we'll start with Mark, but, you know, what do you want to see out of Zach Levine this season? I just want to see him continue taking those steps that he's sort of made in preseason. And I think, like, like I mentioned before, preseason, it, it is a caveat. There's only five games 
of data there to really go by. But essentially, in preseason, he was putting up the same numbers he was last season in preseason in 10 less minutes, which is kind of insane. So I want to see what he can actually do in a modern style of offense because I think that is going to be most beneficial to a player like Levine, even though the Bulls are running this multiple ball handler system, if we want to call it that. It's pretty It's pretty much only going to be for the first 45 minutes of the game. The last three minutes, it's going to be about Zach. So I think that's where it's going to get interesting for Levine as to whether he can sort of carry the team in those last sort of minutes in a tight game. But I, I guess it, more than ever, I suppose, it's, it seems like Zach is probably... It, the All-Star game is probably more, more attainable than it's ever been for him. So... I think I would almost be disappointed if he didn't make it at this point based how, based on the steps he's taken last season coming back from that ACL year, but also you know the, what he's shown in preseason. So if he can get his offense to that next level, if he can be a guy that's averaging 25 a game, 26 a game, maybe posting a 60-plus true shooting percentage and showing strides on defense and maybe making less bad decisions on offense with his turnovers, then I think that's all I can really ask for. It would be cool if he could make the all-star game. I think at this rate, if he continues that, and then he will, I guess. Yeah, I'm basically all aboard the Zach Levine all-star train at this point. I'm buying into the hype. Uh, I mean, I feel like he's just going to put up huge numbers uh, obviously, you mentioned the preseason stuff. He, he's obviously not going to shoot whatever sixty percent <coughs> over the course of a full season. But I mean, just he's just seems again. He just seems so comfortable out there, taking the right shots. Now that they're playing in a style that I feel like is, takes advantage of his skills and his athleticism and his shooting. I mean, just like I feel like there's just no reason for him not. I mean, in terms of just, I feel like the pure numbers. Like he's going to put up like twenty five, five and five at least. Maybe even he might even score more than that. I know there was that article, uh, I think on the Ringer, that was like, could Zach Levine like lead the league in scoring? I mean, that might be a bit much, but like, I mean, he, he put up 27, 28 a game. I don't think that's out of the question. If he, if the way he looked in preseason, the way, I mean, just the way the team is playing, if they're going to be getting more possessions, getting up more three pointers, I mean, it wouldn't be crazy for him to add four or five points to his point total from last year, which was like, I think it was like almost 24. So yeah, I'm buying the All Star game thing. Like the Bulls should be better. Uh, the game's in Chicago. There'll be a little extra hype from there. It's probably gonna be in the slam dunk contest. It seems like he's leaning towards that way. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, in terms, and then, in, I mean, in terms of just like overall play, because obviously being an all star doesn't. Ricky, you mentioned like, what does that actually mean? Like, we still do need to see him uh, with the decision making in terms of just like the. We want to see him get better with the passing uh, and just making his teammates better. And we saw him make big strides with that last year. Uh, Mark, you mentioned the stuff at the end of games, which is really interesting because. Last year, like he was far and away the guy with the most clutch shot or shots in crunch time. I feel like we it would probably be better if that maybe that was evened out a little bit. Like maybe see Lowry get a few more of those. We will talk about Lowry more because he's been one of the more. If there's anything disappointing, it's been kind of in him. But him, but yeah, with Zach, like you don't don't want him to be getting that tunnel vision in crunch time. We don't. He doesn't need to play the hero every time. But we know he can make those hit those tough shots. And do stuff like that. So yeah, I'm I'm all aboard the Zach Levine hype train going into the season. Maybe maybe that's a bit homerish, but I mean he just looks so good, and I, I feel like he's got something to prove. He worked so hard in the off season, and I mean especially with like you looked at all those all those like all, uh, the player rankings and stuff, and like how I think it was whatever SI had him at like 90, and like I think ESPN had him in like the 50s, and like I mean I feel like he's out to prove that he's a top 50, top 40, maybe even better NBA player. So he's clearly got a chip on his shoulder. He's had those all those all these quotes about how he's sick of losing. He's never been on a winning team. So yeah, this seems like it should be the year for Zach Levine to make some type of leap into one of the better players in the NBA. Even if he's even if he's not that great defensively, which he's shown some defensive effort as well. And he had those quotes where he's saying he's tired of people shitting on his defense. He's got a lot of room to grow. There's no doubt about that. Last year in the RPM stat, he was number 188 in the entire league. Now, you can't put, you know, everything in terms of stock into that because Luke Cornett was top 100. He obviously didn't play the type of minutes that Zach Levine did when he was in New York last season. Uh, But, you know, I would like for Levine to see if he can improve on his weaknesses more so than double down on his strengths this year. I would like him to maybe take a little bit of a step back in terms of thinking he has to carry the scoring load. Certainly is capable of doing it, but I would like to see him be more involved setting up teammates. I'd like to see him be a little crisper on his help defense, do the little things that are going to help the Bulls win more so than focusing on scoring 30 points a game. Because we know the guy has 
some absolutely sick tricks in his bag as a scorer. He is capable, I think, of putting up 30 points a game if he wanted to, especially with the increased number of possessions the Bulls are going to be playing with this year, especially since they're going to be taking shots that are worth three points instead of two points the majority of the time. All these are good things, but for the Bulls to actually make meaningful improvement towards making the playoffs and towards, you know, maybe competing and advancing in a first-round series, Levine needs to focus on his deficiencies more so than double down on his strengths. Just, i just like to see him play a more cerebral game in general this year, which Levine, you know, a lot of words can describe him, explosive, uh, flamethrower shooting, but you would never call him cerebral. But year five, I think, or maybe year six at this point, uh, it, it's time for him to, to earn that tag. This is going to be year six for him. So uh, let's... let's uh, advance the conversation like this. Levine said he's never been on a winning team. He's never been on a team that's won more than 31 games, and that was his year with the Wolves when he ended up getting hurt. He only played, you know, the first few months of the season. Uh, This is going to be the best team Zach Levine's ever played on because after years of totally blowing it in free agency, in a decade of never making a trade to improve the team, the Bulls have done both of those things. There are four veteran additions in 2019. Otto Porter Jr., Thaddeus Young, Tomas Sadoransky, and Luke Cornett, I think are going to be four of the best players on the team and have seemingly doubled the number of good players on the team. This changes the entire infrastructure of the squad. It changes life for Zach, for Lowry, and for you know the other foundational pieces on the team because they actually have some support now. Uh, We'll start with Mark. Mark, what are your impressions of the new guys this year? What do you expect from a full season of Otto? And, uh, you know, just how you like in the the free agent edition so far? Well, I'm still pinching myself that it has actually happened because we're not that far removed where Bobby Portis is still here and uh, maybe Darren Collison, if he doesn't retire, then maybe (laughs) he's here instead of Tomas Sadoransky. So... A couple decisions going the other way and decisions that were sort of outside the Bulls' hands. Maybe if those things sort of played out in a different way, we're looking at a different situation all in, you know, altogether. So I'm very, very pleased that uh, Bobby Portis didn't take that extension. I'm, I'm glad Darren Collison has gone into retirement because it's given us Sadoransky. It's obviously given us Thad Young. Lou Cornett has been a nice addition as well for a couple million bucks. And we've obviously talked about Otto Porter quite a bit. He came along last season. So those additions are going to be huge for this Bulls squad because I, I can't help but think that Kobe White's early success thus far in preseason has had had has had a lot to do with these sort of vets being in place. And I, I could just imagine his life has been made a ton easier being supported by guys like Sadoransky, Porter Jr., Thad Young, and these sorts of types where, you know, if he was placed on this Bulls team maybe two seasons ago where he didn't necessarily have that veteran leadership around him, I, I, I don't know how if Kobe White comes out guns blazing and being the player that he has sort of has been in those first five games because it would have just been so much more harder for him to do that with defenses locking in more so on him than they would have compared to now so this veteran squad they're really going to raise the floor of this team obviously the ceiling is going to be determined by guys like Levine Carter Jr and obviously Markinen but I feel like the Bulls they've raised their floor with these players, which is ideal going into the third year of a rebuilding situation. And um, yeah, they've they've essentially made the Bulls baseline to be a 30-win team. Uh, I think there's obviously more wins within that, but uh, I think that's what these players can do. They, they raise the level or they raise the floor of this team. Yeah, the Porter thing is funny. I tweeted during one of the preseason games recently, uh, and I was just like, like, just like thanking the Wizards because like Porter basically like that trade last year just kind of we saw them kind of take off a little bit in February because he just kind of brought the team together to stabilize the lineup and I tweeted about like thanks Wizards I had a lot of Wizards fan fans just shitting all over Otto Porter Jr. just kind of funny because I know like he makes a lot of money and like he only put up like 12-13 points a game but like he was really good for them and like a legitimate 3 and D guy Maybe one of the best three and D players in the league. You could probably probably argue. I know he's had some injury issues. I know he's not the go to guy that people like may, might want him to be because he was like a number three pick. But like for this Bulls team, just like when you had they had Levine, they had Lowry, they had Wendell, but they had such a gaping hole there on the wing. So to get an actual wing, two way wing there, and Otto was great. Now to get all these other two way players as well, <clears throat> with Sadoransky, who's gonna be the starting point guard. He's a really solid player. He's not going to wow you. He's not going to be super flashy. 
which I think kind of works with this team. When you have Levine being the primary guy, initiator, and you have Lowry who needs a shot, so Sadoransky will be will make smart plays. Uh, he'll shoot the three really well, play decent enough defense, which, so that's great. Thad Young clearly seems like he's going to be the veteran leader of the squad, taking over for Robin Lopez. I mean, he made a point right when they signed him, talking about just like changing the culture, establishing a winning culture there, and I mean, even if he's not like as good as he was, like, he was really good with uh, the Pacers last year. Even if he's not quite as good, he plays a little less com- in a bench role. I mean, just the veteran leadership, the smarts, the hustle, the toughness—like that, all that stuff is stuff the Bulls clearly needed. So that's great. The Cornet signing—I feel like super under the radar, solid move—gives the Bulls a stretch five. We've we see we've seen him firing away in preseason, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, and they can have, the Bulls have so many different looks they can have in the front court. When they have Wendell, they have Lowry starting. You could bring in Cornette and Thad off the bench, so you have your stretch five and a, a tough guy as uh, at your four. And then they have, they have Daniel Gafford D for bench uh, as a rim runner. So yeah, just having so having all these guys and just adding to the good players in the team. Just it's so much. No, it's so noticeable. Just like having the better depth, having actual players who know how to play, do smart things, as opposed to playing. Antonio Blakeney big minutes like sorry, I don't want to hate on Antonio Blakeney too much but like you're playing him big minutes like you're in big trouble and you're playing other guys that they were playing like like Wayne Selden again like fine like end of bench player but like you're starting him you can't be starting guys like that and expect to be any good so the Bulls just have so much more depth now and all these moves that they made looks like they're going to be at least really solid at worst and they could work out really good at best and help them come to the playoffs. Yeah, the Bulls have had some absolutely terrible guys at the middle and end of their bench the last couple of years. That seems totally overhauled. Uh, just my sort of main point on this year is that I think the Bulls are going to have to win with depth over star power still, despite the fact that Levine, his star is definitely rising. Uh, you know, I think an all-star berth is for sure uh, a strong possibility for him. But to me, the Bulls still aren't going to have the best player on the floor in the majority of the games they play. So... Uh, They're going to have to win with depth over star power, and they actually have the opportunity to do that now. I love all the free agent signings. Otto Porter is my favorite player on the team, uh, or favorite new guy on the team, I would say, right there with with Wendell and Lowry and Zach and everyone else. So uh, we're going to take a quick break for a minute for an ad read. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis isn't possible. So that's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and then everything else in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up, and again, it is free at sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up with everything, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. So join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. Best of all, no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing like that. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. So again, sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try to for free 99 at sports.axios.com. Indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. We know that nothing's worse than when a suit doesn't fit, and a suit that does fit always feels great. So uh, Indochino is the type of company that makes that happen. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand they make suits they make shirts coats and more and everything is made to your exact measurements with a great fit you get to personalize all the details including your lapel your lining your own monogram they have hundreds of suit options for all occasions be it work weddings um, other formal events indochino's got you covered the best part is that it's affordable all the custom clothes are under 400 bucks american that's a pretty great deal the process is simple you just choose your fabric Pick your customizations, submit your measurements. Your package is going to be delivered straight to your door in two weeks, and you can get measured and design your suit at the nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. So start your style upgrade now with $30 off towards your total purchase of $400 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. 
plus shipping's free. That's Indochino.com. The promo code is BLUEWIRE for $30 off your first total purchase of $300 or $400 or more. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothes that don't fit Indochino. All right, so coming back here, I think we should talk about Markinen a little bit because, uh, you know, at the beginning of the offseason, when last season ended, I would have said, I want Markinen to be the guy who leads the league in field goal attempts. I think that Markinen's the guy who has the most pressure on him coming into this season of anyone else on the roster. It's his third year. There's been talk that, you know, perhaps this can be your primary offensive option moving forward. Uh, We haven't totally seen it from him because of a lack of durability in his first two seasons, because his shooting has been uh, not quite as good as it's been advertised to be, only hitting 36% of his threes each of his first two years. Well, everything sort of changed since those initial discussions because, The Bulls signed a great free agency class, and then, you know, we've seen Zach sort of ascend as being the true primary option on this team. So now what do we make of Lowry Markkinen? Can Lowry Markkinen still have an all-star ceiling? Is Lowry Markkinen more of a really good role player? Uh, And more than anything, how does he impact this team in their ability to win games? I'll start with you, Mark. Where are you at right now with Lowry? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because I've I've been talking about this for the last week or so basically through preseason and again preseason only five games we all understand that caveat but I've been disappointed with Markkinen and I I, I don't know how anyone else could not be I guess based on based on the production that we've seen in preseason thus far and I I guess my perspective on it is if we're going to assume that what we've seen from Zach or Kobe White or anyone who else has made a step this during this preseason period is the new normal then do we not have to accept what Larry Markin has been doing as a bit of a concern? At least that's where my mindset is at. And I just haven't liked the way Larry has gone about it. I mean, almost 60% of his shots have been three-point attempts. The Bulls are clearly using Markin more as a glorified catch-and-shoot player. And that is a concern to me because if he's to be that all-star level player, player that many hoped he would be, he can't just be a guy that's you know taking... 10 shots a game with six of them being three-pointers. That, that That's not going to work for the Bulls long-term, but for Larry Markkinen if he wants to be that all-star caliber player. So I haven't liked the way the Bulls have been using Larry Markkinen, and it's not a complete surprise, I guess. I mean, one of the byproducts of maybe bringing in a guy like Chris Fleming, and this is me just making an assumption here, but if we think about the Brooklyn Nets, they were a team built around their perimeter players, built around a player like D'Angelo Russell, who... I guess there is some crossover between Zach Levine and D'Angelo Russell in the sense that the offense is geared around him primarily. They're players that have, I guess, struggled in the past and and maybe have sort of come on late under a new system. And I think Zach is going to have one of those sort of seasons like D'Angelo had last season where maybe the... I guess perspective around him changes within this offense, but I kind of wonder where that leaves Lowry, and I'm hoping this isn't a sign of things to come, but I haven't liked the way they've been using Markin on offense as that catch-and-shoot option from three, but more than that, it's kind of hard for me to just blame that on the coaching staff or on Lowry's teammates, because Lowry, one of the biggest issues that I've had with him, or the biggest concerns or questions that I've had, had about Lowry's is he aggressive enough to actually go out there and want to be a first or second option on this offense? And I've still got that. It's an open-ended question heading into year three. I, I don't know what the answer to that is. He hasn't looked like he wanted to be that type of player in preseason thus far. I, I get the, the read or the sense from watching Larry that he's more than happy moving the ball around and getting his teammates involved, which is commendable. But we all want Larry to at least be the second option of this Bulls team. But it, it kind of feels like that he's more than happy with Otto Porter being that player at the moment. Yeah, we saw... Uh, I, or at least I've, ta- I've talked about how I want Lowry shooting a lot of threes. I want him shooting seven to eight threes a game. But again, you don't want that three-point rate to be like 60 65%. Like, he should be taking seven to eight threes a game while also taking like 17 or 18 shots a game. And again, but that just really hasn't been the case. But we have seen him like in February. I know that's also a small sample size. We did see him in February put up, what, 25 points a game where him and Zach were both like 1A, 1B, like 24, 25 points a game through that month, and they were both pretty efficient, or Zach was super efficient, Lowry didn't shoot that great from three, but still, 25 points a game, he was getting to the line more, we saw him do some more stuff off the dribble, we saw him, some of his playmaking that month as well, and like, that kind of stuff just like hasn't really been there this preseason, for whatever reason, 
I don't know if he's just getting used to the offense, whether he's just taking it slow, and we'll see. We'll see him diversify his game a bit more in as the regular season starts up. But yeah, I mean, it definitely is a bit concerning. Like I said, we've been super high on what the Bulls are looking like this year, but I mean, I feel like if they're going to be that playoff team, Lowry's going to have to be better. He's just, I mean, as good as they've looked in this preseason, how they've looked and how Zach's looked, I feel like if they're actually going to win games that matter and win 40, 40 to 45 games, like Lowry's going to have to be much better. Um, I'm certainly not giving up on him. We've seen him do it before. I mentioned the February. We saw him add some stuff to his game towards the end of last season, so I think it's still there. Like I am curious, like with his, he did have the heart, the weird heart thing or whatever that was again. I can't remember exactly what it was. They said it's totally fine, but I'm pretty sure he's lost some weight too. Like I don't, I think they he was or maybe they just had him uh, marked wrong like last year. I think Casey was talking about how he was like two, listed at 240 last year. Now he's like 225. Because I feel like I've seen him get bullied a bit on defense, which, I mean, I feel like he's, he's never going to be that great defensively. But, like, I feel like he, we see him, like, they, they show him doing these workouts in, like, the weight room. And he's looking all strong. But I feel like on the court, he just doesn't play that strong. So, like, I feel like, I don't know. He's definitely going to have a lot to prove. This is a huge year. It's something. This is something Zach Lowe has talked about a lot. Like, this is a huge year for him. Like, is he just going to be kind of a guy who, like, who look who can go off sometimes can shoot some threes a nice little stretch four for you or is he an all star? Do I still think Larry Markin has an all star ceiling? Absolutely. I'm not going to let a few bad preseason games uh, color me super negative on him. But yeah, he's got a lot to prove, and uh, I still have some faith in him though. Yeah, my favorite stat with Markin is that 68% of his field goal attempts last year were assisted, or 68% of his field goal makes, I should say, were assisted. So that's a really high number. Uh, higher than any all-star besides for Vucevic last year. So what that tells me is, like, it's less about saying, Lowry needs to be more aggressive. Lowry looks to his for his own offense. Really, it's like the coaching staff and his teammates, especially Levine, need to make it a point of emphasis to get Lowry going. Because Lowry's not the type of guy who's going to stand at the top of the key, dribble the ball between his legs for eight seconds, and then drive to the basket or hit you with a step back. Instead, he's someone who's very much going to play in the flow of the offense. When the Bulls are running picking pops, when he's rolling strong to the rim off of PNR, that's when he's really going to be at his best. So I think it's on Boylan, it's on Levine, it's on Sadoransky, it's on Thad Young, and everyone else around Markinen to make sure he has a good season, to make sure he's not only taking 10 shots a game, which is what we saw throughout the preseason. Markinen, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it seemed like he averaged 10, 11, 12 shots every single game. Uh, I'd probably like to see that number tick up a little bit more. Of course, we want him taking shots from the right parts of the floor. He should be up in his three-point rate this year. There's no doubt about that. But I just want you know everyone around Marketing to be as invested in his success because I, I think that he's one of those guys who, if nothing else, he's going to be like a super role player. Like if Marketing is the third best guy on your team, your team's probably going to be really good, right? Because he still has the potential to carry the offense on any given night. He's just the type of player who it's hard to rely on him to manufacture offense out of thin air. So, uh, you know, it needs to come in flow. It needs to come within a set infrastructure. And I think the Bulls do have those parameters in place this year. Now, this is new for everyone. Like, the Bulls look so good in the preseason that, you know, we have to remember that this isn't a finished product. Like, there's going to be growing pains along the way uh, with this new-look offense and with, you know, the pecking order of trying to get everyone involved. So it's it's not going to happen immediately, but I still think Markkinen is going to be really good. And hey, if Markkinen ends up with, you know, a sub-all-star level ceiling, but the Bulls can make the playoffs anyway, that I still think says great things about the structure of the team and how they were put together this year, that, you know, you don't solely need to rely on this guy uh, for your success. So we got a few minutes left. Uh, we could take this conversation in any way you want. But I want to know if you think the Bulls can actually make the playoffs. And in fact, I want a prediction, a yes or no, on the record, will the Bulls make the playoffs? Uh, I'll go first, since I'm the one who's asking this ridiculous question. I actually think (laughs) they're going to make the playoffs. I tweeted it for the first time on, I believe, July 7th uh, of this year that I thought the Bulls were going to be a playoff team after they signed Thomas Sadoransky. Now, I have had haters in my Twitter mentions since the start of the preseason, digging up my old tweets, uh, there was one tweet I had where I was asking some rhetorical questions about should the Bulls re-sign Zach Levine on the offer sheet. Uh, and definitely, I was uh, uncertain of if Levine would be worth the money at the time. I was totally wrong about having even a little bit of skepticism about that. It was a great deal for the Bulls to keep him. He's only the 56th highest paid player in the league. Uh, and 
you know, that, that looks like a, a, a coup for the front office, really, if nothing else. And then you have this terrific offseason they had, which to me vaults them into playoff contention now. Only Last year, the Bulls only won 22 games. The eight seed last year, which was the Pistons, won 41. So we're talking about more than, you know, basically doubling their win total or like jumping up 20 wins to be in the playoff picture this year. That is a ton to ask. I do think the Magic are going to be really good. I think that, you know, if you look at the teams that could fall out, the Pacers, to me, they won 48 games last year. They were the five seed. They won a Voladipo until the winter. Who knows how good he's going to be when he comes back. I'm keeping an eye on them. The Pistons have an absolutely terrible wing depth rotation. They got Tony Snell. They got Luke Kennard. They have a bunch of guys uh, beyond them who I'm not even sure should be in the league. So the Pistons, to me, you know, if Blake gets hurt, they're toast immediately, oh, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. a that's a big thing for them. He's had a lot of injuries throughout his career. I think the Pistons fall out. The Heat jump in. I think the Bulls jump into uh, probably over a team like the Pacers. But I'm really thinking the Bulls make the playoffs this year. Mark, are you there yet? Do you not want to set expectations that high? How are you feeling about Bulls playoffs? I don't think they make it. And I, I'll be okay with that as long as there's growth. I've said that all along. If they win 36, 36, 7 games, something like that, and the players are taking a step forward, then I'm completely fine with that, even though... I'm sure the rhetoric at the end of the season, if they do miss the playoffs, will be about accountability and the team not reaching their goals of making the playoffs and all that sort of negativity. But I, I, I'm all in on the Heat. I like them. I think they're jumping into the playoffs. I think they're going to be in there. I think Detroit could fall out, which is an option for the Bulls. I think, oh yeah, like you said, Ricky, Orlando, I'm kind of into those guys as well. Indiana, I think, is another potential team that could sort of slip down the slip down the standing so but I think the mostly that East standings from last season is going to remain unchanged I think it's going to be those same teams maybe in a, in a bit of a different order but I think the Bulls will have a realistic chance to make the playoffs I'm just more concerned about actually seeing the team playing competitive basketball meaningful basketball in March and April which is something that we necessarily haven't had for the last couple of years so that's where my mindset is more so out at the moment but I think the last couple spots in the Eastern Conference playoffs is going to come down to health and it's going to come down to chemistry and those are going to be the interesting things that will determine those last couple spots in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I still think whilst this Bulls roster and their rotation has been added or the the depth of this rotation has been added too, I still feel like they're one injury away from things getting getting away from them pretty quickly, particularly if it happens on the wing. I mean, if we think about the rotation at the moment, the backups that, that Boylan's running on the perimeter at the moment are essentially three uh, three point guards. Chandler Hutchinson has re-aggravated that, that, uh, that hamstring injury. Denzel Valentine looks really bad at the moment, which I guess <laughs> we have to assume... <laughs> Would have been always been the case given given what he was sort of coming back from, but they're not. They don't really have a backup wing option on the bench. If Otto Porter was to go down for three weeks, and that could really derail the Bulls' season, and it only takes them one injury to maybe go from winning 41, 42 games to all of a sudden being a 34, 35 win team. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to I'm going to play conservative. I think they're going to miss, but I think it's going to be an improved season. Yeah, I'm. Kind of in that same boat as well. I think they absolutely can make the playoffs. I just can't get there yet because the health, I think, is a huge thing. Lowry's had trouble staying healthy. Wendell has had like four different injuries this preseason. You mentioned... Uh, you mentioned the Chandler Hutchinson thing, like they're winged up. Yeah, if Otto went down, like they could be totally screwed. Like I know they've been talking about p- maybe picking up some wing depth. Like Alfonso McKinney just got waved. Like there were Shams uh, said, I'm Iman Shumpert, but like I mean, those are band aids. Like if Otto went down, they'd be in probably in pretty big trouble. So like, yeah, I can't totally get there yet. But again, I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, like I've kind of upped my win total. From like 35 to 37, maybe to like 37 to 39, I think they could get to 40. If they made the playoffs, would I be shocked? Absolutely not. Uh, I was reading Zach Lowe's like big crazy predictions or whatever, and he has the Bulls as the eighth seed. I believe he has the Pacers falling out, which I think, Ricky, we, I think we talked about this on a recent pod that I really don't know what to make about the Pacers because now they, they're talking about trading Sabonis, which is really interesting, and... Uh, who knows what Oladipo is going to look like whenever he comes back. When I know he's been amping up his workouts recently, but I mean they're an interesting team. You mentioned the Blake uh, Griffin thing. Like I feel like the Pistons are definitely screwed unless uh, maybe D Rose will lead them back. Will lead them back if Blake Griffin went down. And uh, but yeah, I, I mean, the Bulls I think should be there. 
I think the season, kind of like you said, Mark, I think the season is a success. Even if they miss the playoffs, I know they said we want to make it. That's our goal. Even if they miss, it's, it's still a success if they end up with like 38, 39 wins and they're there to the end of the season. I feel like the only way the season is not success is if they just completely bomb again, if they win like under 30, if they basically like go under their Vegas win total, which I think is like 34, 33 at most places. Like if they lose a uh, fewer, or they, they go under that mark. I feel like that's I feel like that's a big disappointment. But yeah, so like, I, I'm on the record saying no, they will not make the playoffs. But I will, I guess, hedge and say that they absolutely can do it. They're gonna make it, guys. The Bulls are making the fucking playoffs. See Red Ricky, sure. he's here. I just think they're gonna. I you know I have no agenda. In fact, it would probably be better for me personally if the Bulls crash and burn because I've been so hard on them the last few years. Now, I'm a fan. I want the Bulls to win. I've always wanted them to win. And I think that they actually built a good team. They overhauled the coaching this year, and it's going to happen. I think they make the playoffs. Now, they don't have a lot of margin for error, like you guys said, but that's every team. Like Injuries determine every single team. If Jimmy gets hurt in Miami, Miami's going to be in big trouble. If Kyrie gets hurt in Brooklyn, Brooklyn has no chance. If Kemba gets hurt in Boston... Boston's going to be in trouble. So, and then there's Toronto with all their guys on one-year deals this year. Uh, yes, they re-upped Lowry for an extra year. He could still be traded. They have Ibaka. They have Marcus Soule, both on expiring deals. I, I'm still buying Toronto because I love Nick Nurse, uh, and I'm a big Siakam guy. But, you know, disaster could strike for any team. Uh, I, I want to end this with just going around to get finals predictions this year. And I'm going to go last on this one because... I've still been uh, tossing two different teams up in my head, but we'll start with Jason on this. Jason, what do you think the finals matchup is going to be, and who do you see as the NBA champion this year? And give give me MVP, too. God, I haven't even thought of this. I'm kind of buying this stuff, MVP. I, I don't know if the Warriors are going to be good enough. They have a, Their rotation is an absolute mess, but I feel like Steph's going to put up like 35 a game this year if he stays healthy. He's been going wild in preseason. Uh, so I'm just going to go out and say stuff right now. Uh, I know a lot of people have saying Giannis will repeat. And I, I guess for like my Eastern Conference champion, like the Sixers are super interesting. I know that the Bucks get I feel like getting rid of Brogdon was cheap, classic, cheap, like smaller market ownership garbage. They made all these excuses like repeater tax, blah, blah, blah. Like keeping Brogdon was a luxury. It's like, yeah, he's a really damn good player. And like you have Giannis like about to hit free agency in a couple years and you're gonna you trade basically sign and trade Brogdon for draft picks because you don't want to pay the luxury tax. Like, get out of here. If that's awful. I feel like this. The Bucks were so good last year. I feel like they're gonna take a slight step back in the regular season. But like in like looking at the other teams out east, like the Sixers definitely could beat them. Uh, I mean the Celtics. I don't think so. I mean, the Raptors aren't gonna do that. I, I think it's gonna be the Bucks in the finals. And then out west, I want to pick the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers should be a really fun deep team, but. I think the Lakers are going to make it, honestly. Oh, God. Le- LeBron and AD. And I really haven't put much thought into this, but I feel like LeBron is going to be a guy, a man on a mission. Uh, this could easily crash and burn for them as well. I mean, Davis has this whole in- injury problems. He already got hurt. But I feel like I feel like people might be underestimating just like how good those two should be together. And, I mean, Danny Green is good. And, and they have some other Ds. They just better not play Rondo too much, I guess. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I feel like it probably will be Clippers, Lakers in the like the conference finals. Uh, who I actually think is going to win, I honestly don't know. I kind of just want to ride the Bucks train just because my, I got to say with my Greek guy, Giannis, Giannis, and hope that he actually wins. I, like I said, I, I honestly don't know. I, it's so wide open. Like, the Rockets could win, but, like, Russ has looked awful. Like, the Nuggets are super fun. Like, they're running it back, basically. Like, it'd be cool to see the Blazers make the finals and for Dame to have success, but... I guess I'll just go on a limb and say the Bucks are going to win it all against the Lakers. There you go. <laughs> Finally, we got there. What do you think, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think the Bucks in the East, I'm not buying this Sixers offense. I-, I think defensively they can do their thing, but I have no idea how they're going to make an outside shot. Uh, I'm hopeful of my countryman Ben Simmons doing some things this year, but uh, it- it's a very faint hope. But I think the Bucks, I'm going to take Giannis. Uh, and the Bucks in the East. I'm going to go the Clippers in the West. I think the Lakers are uh, absolutely shit. Well, n- n- I'll take that back. They're not absolutely shit, but their guard play is just going to be so bad that it's going to be their undoing. Totally and fair. LeBron's <laughs> going to be 35 this year. At some point, he has to regress to to some degree. I assume at some point. Maybe that's risky for me going with that. But um, I think I think it's going to be Bucks. I think it's going to be Clippers. I think the Clippers will win. 
And one of the MVP, or I don't have a exact MVP candidate, but it's going to be one of these three. It's going to be, going to be Giannis, Nikola Jokic, or Joel Embiid, whichever guy stays healthy. Um, that is the one that's going to win MVP. LeBron, AD, they're going to cancel each other out. Paul George, uh, and, and uh, obviously Kawhi, they'll cancel each other out. Another take I've got is I think the Warriors aren't going to be any good at all. I, I'm taking the unders on the Warriors. That rotation is just abysmal. I feel <laughs> Marcus Chris. I feel sorry for Steph Curry because I think he's going to have a huge season, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they win like 44 games or something like that. So Steph's not going to win MVP in my mind. So I, I think Giannis is probably the favorite at this point, but I could see Jokic or Embiid winning it too if they end up as the number one seeds in their respective conferences. Uh, I'm going to go with, I've really been going back and forth between the Clippers and the Rockets. I think I'm going to go with the Clippers over the Sixers. I really like the Sixers out East in the Eastern Conference Finals. MVP, I'm going to take Steph. Uh, it seems like all the money is getting pushed towards Giannis right now, so I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. Giannis did it. And then I wouldn't be surprised if LeBron did it either. Like, AD is getting so much attention preseason i'm actually out on the lakers i feel like you can only be so good if your third best player is danny green they just don't have enough depth you look at how the warriors lack of depth has is you know seemingly going to impact them you look at how the bulls infusion of depth is going to you know make them so much better the lakers have no depth unless like alex caruso really comes out and starts (laughs) balling like it's a highlight video kuzma bro kuzma i'll believe it when i see it uh so yeah, it's going to be a fun season. Wide open, obviously. I can't wait for the for the regular season to start. It's coming up. We're only a couple days away. Bulls are going to be fun. League in general is going to be fun. Basketball, baby. And uh, Jason, uh, you got some thoughts on Luol Deng, so we'll kick it to I you. Do. I do. I feel like we had to mention Luol Deng real quick here just to finish off here. The Bulls brought back Luol, like a, the one-day contract thing to let him retire. I just want to give a shout-out to Luol Deng. Like, he was... One of the best. He'll go down as one of the best Bulls of all time. He was so good for so many years. The Bulls almost killed him. I can't believe he actually agreed to come back when he almost died on the Bulls' watch because of all that goofiness in the in the playoffs back in the day. But yeah, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Wall Dang, uh, just for all the great years that he gave Bulls fans. I know he he had his limitations. He wasn't maybe the top flight scorer that everyone wanted to be, but the guy played his ass off. He almost died for the Bulls. He was an Iron Man for for several years under under Tom Thibodeau. So just. Shout out to Will Dang. Uh, I don't know if his jersey will ever end up in the rafters, but he was a damn good bull, and he was a damn good representation representation of this franchise. And then, and then they screwed him by trading him away for basically look cash savings and uh, got like nothing out of it. So screw that. But shout out to Luol Dang. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love Luol Dang. Uh, all right, so this has been the Cash Considerations Bulls H Bulls HQ crossover podcast. Thanks to Mark. Thanks to Jason for joining me. Uh, it's going to be a really fun season. Thanks to Blue Wire for uh, for hosting this party. So we'll both be checking in with you soon on each of our separate podcasts. And hopefully we'll do another crossover one uh, sometime in the season. This was a lot of fun. So uh, for Mark, for Jason, I'm Ricky. Thanks for listening to us. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.